Hello and welcome to the Boss Boss Scottish Football Podcast. My name is Lewis Kemp and today I'm joined by Johnny Cork. Hi Lewis, nice to be here. It is nice to be here uh, in our flat, which we are in different rooms of course. Yeah, that is quite quite sad. It's Hopefully quite we weird. can find a fix to it sometime soon but uh, so we can enjoy our, our each other's company during the podcast once again. Yes, also joined by Tom McKinnon to review all the kind of Scottish the weekend Scottish action. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, not too bad. Nice to be here as always. How are you? I'm alright. Um, all of them fucking getting hacked today uh, on Facebook. I didn't know that was still a thing. Um, <laughs> I thought that was just for mutants or uh, people that are stuck in 2012. Um, so yeah, get hacked today. That was that was great. But um, what's cheered me up, I think, a wee bit, is that Cal Fisher is back on the podcast. Cal, how you doing? Hello, he- hello, hello. It's good to be back. Um, is it good to be back? It is good to be back in true podcast tradition. I am hungover as well. Oh, so I am wonderful. Um, first podcast since about March, maybe or something like that. I think. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's, that's quite a. That's quite a long, long spell out, but uh, quite a hiatus. You're, you're back in, you're back in your rain to go. Just like um, I was going to do an example there, but uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to use it as a bad example. <laughs> um, we may as well start with Rangers, I think. Um, convincing four-one win against Dundee. Dundee, who uh, for whatever reason Rangers always seems to absolutely body. Um, I remember a Scottish Cup tie um, a few years back where they absolutely hammered them. I think Dundee brought a really good support that day. Were quite optimistic about their chances, but just were uh, swept that was aside. The game, I think uh, Harry Forrester scored after about a minute as well. Yeah, I it didn't take long for Rangers to to uh, stamp their authority over Dundee, and it didn't. Well, actually, it did take a wee bit longer in this in this game, I suppose. Uh, just before <coughs> half time, Morales got um, the opener for Rangers. Um, Fisher, I know you were there at the game. What did you kind of take? Uh, or what was your kind of overall kind of feelings uh, after this? Uh, really, really happy. Actually, I think it was pretty important uh, to to not only win but to win in a convincing manner, as you said. Particularly after the fact that on the on the run up to obviously the Ross County one before the international break, we'd had a bit of a sticky start to the season, um, and I think particularly after drawing nil nil with Hearts at home, a lot of people. The, the the kind of doubts about Pedro and and um, about whether where the club was going started started popping up again, um, but obviously we we got a good one away at Ross County and then the international break came and it's always a bit of a it's always a bit of a worry when you when you've had a sticky start to the season and then you get a win and then there's a, a kind of two week break but we were really really good yesterday actually um, the other fear I kind of had was as the game wore on in the first half you kind of thought it was quite similar to Hearts I thought we had a lot of the ball. And we were getting, we were creating openings, but we we were obviously, it was obviously still now now. So to get the goal before half time, I think there was a big relief um, for Ranger supporters. And then in the second half, despite Dundee had I think about a five five minute flurry um, at the start of the second half, that I think they had one or two chances uh, there. Um, and then we went on and we and we scored obviously another three goals, and we looked really really good defensively, really comfortable. I think. There's still one or two things that we can do better. I think our, our ball retention at times isn't great, um, and I think defensively we we tend to switch off sometimes. But really, really, I, I think you actually um, saw that with the with the with the final goal anyway. Uh, if we yeah, a lot, 
Yeah, I was. That annoyed me maybe more than you would think in a four-one-one because we really should have come out of that game with a clean sheet and. Um, you know, a four 0 win would have been a great. Obviously, it's still a great result for us. Um, but you know, that was that was slightly annoying. But really, really good signs. I thought, you know, it's coming. I think it is coming together, um, and it's obviously coming together at the right time because it's a big, big month for us. Yep. Um, see, I mean, obviously, Candice will probably um, he'll get a lot of plaudits. He has been very good for Rangers, Morales as well. Um, has, has been the kind of poster boy El Buffalo uh, whatever, whatever else you want to say about that um, <laughs> I, um, I think Ryan Jack is somebody that's probably been has maybe surprised a few people Fisher would you say in terms of his performances um, for Rangers I, I think that's fair to say I think I, I mean obviously I'm not I'm not really entirely sure how it works with, with Celtic fans but when anybody when I think Rangers or Celtic sign a player from a team in Scotland, there's a little bit of a, I think there's a tendency to maybe not expect too much or maybe wonder why we're not signing players from abroad. And obviously, because we have signed a lot of players from abroad this year, I think the, the Ryan Jack deal um, and, and bringing him in, there wasn't a, a great deal of attention paid to it. But, I mean, me and, me and my mate, we were sitting in different parts of the ground, but we were texting each other throughout and after the game and I think the one thing that we both said and, and when you speak to Rangers supporters at the moment is that Ryan Jack has been a is such a um, good addition to the squad so far he just nothing gets past him and he does the simple stuff really well he'll break down attacks he'll get the ball and he'll give it to a to a Windass or a Candace or you know our more kind of creative players um, and he's just he's, he's he's everywhere he's in that kind of that area in front of the, the defence and he's just side to side, right in front of him. He's, he's, he's everywhere, and you can always count on him to step in. Um, and I think he's been a really good addition. And the fact that we got him for free, particularly against a team that we, from a team like Aberdeen, who we are competing against um, for league position and stuff like that, I think it's been a great bit of business. And um, yeah, for, for me, I think it's easy. Obviously, Morelos with his goals and and Bruno Alves, who I'll say again, looks to be just strolling through these games at the minute. We'll obviously see how he does. And, and like the old firm games are maybe against Aberdeen um, as well, but um, I think I think it'd be a fair shout to say that Ryan Jack's probably been the the, the best addition so far, um, because as I say, he he's exactly what we've needed. We've just needed a player who's calm and composed, who gets the ball, does the kind of neat and tidy stuff, and and just gets on with it. Um, and I think. Rangers fans are really, really starting to to warm to Ryan Jack. Yeah, I mean, only I mean, a reason I bring it up just because there has been kind of murmurings now that uh, are from Rangers fans that Jack has been the real kind of standout performer, and even more so than Dorans, who obviously, other than the Motherwell game where he was outstanding, um, certainly the kind of hype around him seems to have dissipated a wee bit. Um, but um, I, I moving more to kind of Dundee. Um, I'll go to you, Tom, for this one, given you are a Dundonian. Um, f- first, I mean, other than being absolutely hopeless in this game, I think the f- kind of major talking point, even just on social media and, and whatever, with the uh, Jack Hendry uh, just taking out Cami Kerr, his, his own teammate, um, it was a really, really bizarre moment. Uh, can you explain what was going on here? I think that's part of the part of Dundee's problem when they've got very inexperienced back four. Most experienced is probably Kevin Holt left back. He'll probably be replaced when the new Spanish boys fit. And um, I think this was sort of just the the big moment of the sort of highlighting their, their massive problem at the back because the, the days out. Um, 
and obviously McTague's still looking to maybe maybe not playing again so I think whilst it was a funny moment it did highlight quite a big problem with Dundee that without um, the day at centre half they're uh, quite inexperienced at the back Yep uh, Johnny what have you kind of made of Dundee uh, this season I mean, I do remember on podcasts, I mean, like Hamish threw out there that he thought Dundee were a wee bit weak. Um, they were lacking maybe a kind of a, a bastard, I think is the actual terminology um, mm. uh, he used, you know, lacking kind of a bit of kind of strength in the in the side. Um, I mean, there was some good performances from Dundee players, and there has been this season. I think Deacon's been outstanding, I think. Um, but I, I don't know, like. And Kamara as well actually um, is is looked promising. I think a few of the younger players um, on their day have looked good, as Tom kind of mentions. But I mean, what have you made of it? It's not been a great start for Dundee. It's one point um, out of five games for them, and they are sitting. Um, how, are you, how whatever way you look at it, they are sitting bottom of the table. Yeah, um, like you said, Kamara and Deacon seem to have been two of the two of the better signings for for Dundee. Uh, maybe. In contrast to recent seasons under under Hartley, they've been poor defensively, but maybe a little. I wouldn't say better going forward, but their, their strengths lie in attack rather than defence. Would maybe be the case. Um, I watched them in the cup against uh, Dundee United, and they were actually pretty decent that night, especially going forward. Deacon and Kamara, as you say, Al Bakhtawi as well. They've all looked pretty decent, but defensively, all over the shop. Um, and a big derby uh, against St Johnston at the weekend. I'll be there at Dens Park, so maybe I'll, I'll get a chance to see them a bit closer because I've, I've really only seen them against, obviously the highlights every week. But against Sunday night, it's the only full, I think the only full game they've seen. But get beat three 0 at Hamilton, a team who consistently beat them as well. Hamilton, um, yeah, it's not great defensively. Things have got to improve. That's um, they're only, they're only point at home to Hibs, so they've exceeded eight goals in the last three games, which is pretty poor. And yeah, even if they they are a little bit better than at going forward than they are defensively, they're they're not scoring enough to make up for that poor defensive record. I think um, the thing that uh, surprised me most actually with Dundee yesterday, and maybe it was just because it was a wee bit of of, of anticipating that they that <coughs> they would be shaped in the way their manager was as a player but they weren't really that I mean they were quite physical um, yesterday they were trying to break everything down they were quite strong in the tackle and things like that and, and they did try and get stuck in but I think as just kind of what Johnny was saying there it's a combination of they don't score enough and defensively they're very very poor I mean creatively as well they just didn't I mean they didn't really do much and I thought as do we know yet why Scott Allen was taken off after 37 minutes because there didn't really seem to be anything wrong with him at the game or anything like that um, yeah, wasn't I'm really not, highlighted not, on sports scene yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not too sure that. about it either and just when you're saying they look kind of toothless or oh, well they didn't look too great in attack I mean I, I get what you're saying Johnny I think the midfield um, I think creatively they're good um, however I, I think Elbak too is very hot and cold and yeah he scored a good goal uh, or a good consolation goal in that game but he missed a lot of chances and that's the thing it, it, it's almost like it takes him a good couple of chances in order for him to actually hit, hit the target um, which would maybe worry you I think if you were a Dundee fan Yeah I've always been a big fan of Elbak Terry so maybe I've got a bit of bias of, <laughs> since I was a uh, 
he heard him firmly about three times in one season and every single game he scored an overhead kick pretty much so I've, I've always <laughs> been a, a fan of him coming through um, I'm convinced he can play at that level but it's, he's, he isn't big in stature he's very very uh, slight so maybe that, that holds against him in, in the physicality of Scottish football is clear for everyone to see especially when you're playing for a, a club like Dundee who will be scrapping away in most games um, so maybe that doesn't it doesn't quite suit him but he's definitely there's definitely a player in there there's a definitely a goal scorer in there and uh, I, I think he will eventually I, I, you have seen it this season he, his goal was very very nice yesterday I scored a few so maybe just for me it's just been too it's just been too fleeting in terms of his actual impact on games um, I think his consistency is maybe the bigger issue but I do I kind of agree with you I think he's one of his days a real real talent um, but just mm. going back to kind of previously what we were talking about um, obviously Dundee they play St Johnston next week yeah, uh, yeah. St Johnston this week uh, drew one each with Hibernian uh, and it was well tell me right after the game it was quite um he was quite honest. He said how he didn't think it was a great performance, but he was just kind of happy to get uh, or to get the point. I haven't not actually played well. Obviously, Hibbs um, quite fancy to do well this season. Is that a good point for St Johnston, Tom? Uh, you'd have to say so. Particularly we can because I've only seen the highlights, but um, yeah, I think a point against Hibbs this season. I think in, no matter how you play, is probably going to be a good point for ten of the eleven clubs. Um, Baron Celtic obviously and probably Rangers Aberdeen at home but um, I and I think Hibbs definitely had chances with Swanson where he got through he had Murray yeah. and Stokes either side um, you just think maybe if he was if that was against a different side where he wasn't looking to, to score against a former club I think he would have passed that but um, no I think it probably I was a good point he didn't pass that one mm-hmm. but I, I can't have seen more than enough of Danny Swanson to leave <laughs> that's true yeah so, <laughs> Not the most selfless player, um, but no, I think I probably they look at that as a good point. Um, maybe if, if they were on their uh, on their game, a win would have because I, I a win would have been uh, better, obviously. But because um, I don't rate Hibs that highly, I don't think Hibs are that great. But they will be a difficult side to beat under Lennon. Why don't you rate Hibs out of interest, Tom? don't think there's that much quality in the team I, I don't think Stokes is that great a player I really don't think Sam Murray will score that many more or that much more goals I think the League Cup sort of tainted his, his goal scoring record and that he's not really a prolific scorer um, I think McGinn's quite highly overrated as well I, I don't even think he's Tim's best midfielder and I just don't think he'll score I don't think they'll run away with a lot of games like um, like you've seen that there with Swanson you think if they maybe had a bit more ruthless players like they had Stokes from 2010 and that game could have been 1-3-1 4-1 but I just don't see them putting teams to the sword this season I mean to be fair Stokes he has started the season quite well I'd say I mean he's even he has a kind of part to play in the and their equaliser, I know it's obviously yeah. an old goal, but he's pressurising Peyton and, uh, to begin with. Um, and he has looked lively. Um, I get I get your point about Simon Murray. I think McGinn was actually... I also get your point about him, but I think in this game in particular, yeah, it really yeah. did stand out. Um, and I think they kind of picked up on it on the sports scene um, as well. Uh, Johnny, what have you... 
what have you made of both of these teams? I mean, so far that season, like. Um, well, I have to say, I I have them in my pre-season predictions. I think I had both of these teams in the bottom half. Um, I certainly had. I I didn't think Hibs would do very well this season. I thought last season a, a bit too much was made of them. To be honest with you, I didn't think that they were even as good as. Um, Hibs were under Stubbs I'd go as far to say as, as saying that um, I don't know what it was about about Hibs under Lennon yeah he can you can clearly see that he's he can get his team up for a big game there's absolutely no doubt about that for me with Lennon we went to Ibrox and won you've already seen that and I know he'll give um, Hibs will give Celtic great games this season they'll give Aberdeen great games but I, I just think they're They'll be vulnerable against maybe smaller opposition. Now they were behind to Partick. They lost to Hamilton at home. Um, I just can't see them being consistent enough this season for me. Uh, for St Johnston, I was massively disappointed with them in the Europa League, and I thought, stupidly, naively, I actually predicted that this would be sort of the year that it would all stop going so well for. St Johnston, maybe they would stop finishing in the, in the top half. However, I've definitely changed my mind. I was at the game at Celtic Park and they were magnificent that day. They arguably, well, they could have gone 2 0 up, there's no doubt about it, on the hour mark. And I'd say they were more than deserving of a point that day. And I'm right in saying that they've only dropped four points, and that was yesterday and that game. So. Yeah, they've been excellent yet again in the league. They're, they're so well organised, and if they can cut out results like, for example, they lost. I think Park could beat them quite heavily in the in the cup this season. It's, it's results like that that just come out of nowhere for St Johnson. That if they can cut them out, then there's no doubt that they can they challenge the likes of the better side than both Edinburgh clubs, in my opinion. And I think if they can cut out results like that, then then they can really show that in the table. I mean, one thing I do want to pick up on before we kind of um, move on uh, is the fact that obviously Danny Swanson, we have kind of briefly mentioned him, um, missed that big chance in the game. But I think overall, um, I mean, a lot of people did uh, expect him to do well to push on at Hibs. Um, for me, that's not really been the case. I think he's been pretty poor for Hibs, to be honest, um, so far this season. Um I mean, what is it? I'll, I'll go to you, Fisher, for this one. What is it that a team like St Johnson are getting out of um, Swanson that maybe Hibs aren't? And you can maybe even tie this into the whole Howard and Rangers thing. I mean, they do seem to get the best out of players. Um, I, th- I think first of all, I mean, with Swanson, obviously, at Hibs, he's gone from being. I think St Johnston are very. What's the best way to phrase this? St Johnston are. Are certainly not a team of individuals. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. There is no. I don't think you look at St Johnston. And they, you, they've got good players. They have some really good players in there, but they don't have anybody like, for example, Hibs have got your Stokes, McGinn, um, like players like that. They don't, yeah, like like I, I don't want to say star players, but do you <laughs> know, but star players, if you will. Um, so, and I think that maybe allows. If, if if the whole team's working together, I think that kind of allows the flair players like your Swanson and Halloran to do a lot better. Whereas at Hibs, obviously, you've got the players that I've just mentioned, and it's kind of uh, uh, the way Hibs play. Um, I think it, 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 they're trying to get the best out of all their components. 
what is it, St Johnston? I think they're set up to be a difficult to play. St Johnston play some nice football, but um, they do the way they play. I think allows your kind of more flair players to be to to express themselves a lot more, and therefore you notice them a lot more. Um, whereas Swanson's just an, one of a number of of pretty notable good players at Hibs. Um, I think the thing just quickly to go to O'Halloran is the fact that I, I think he's just comfortable at St Johnston. Um, I don't think he was to be fair to me he was never really given a run of games under Warburton or Kashina um, and I think that's something that people maybe forget is that actually the guy that signed him didn't play him that much either and I think it's just a case of I just don't, I just think some players just aren't comfortable playing at big clubs like Rangers and, and obviously Celtic um, and I think he is very comfortable at St Johnston and that's why he's been doing so well because obviously there is a player there and even when he was at Rangers you can see there's ability there but I think he's just he's very very comfortable at St Johnston, um, and I certainly wouldn't be surprised if there was some agreement in place come January because it's only a six month loan, um, whereby St Johnston will get the first option to take him. And I mean, why wouldn't they if they can get him at a decent price and he wants to be there um, with the, with the contribution he's made because he's obviously been fantastic and, and scored again yesterday. You guys go on with that before we move on, or yeah, any disagreements? Yeah, definitely. I think O'Halloran's a, a really good player. Um, maybe there's more than... Yeah, there's maybe a few reasons why he didn't get on at, at Rangers. Um, but I think, yeah, that, that's definitely one of them. One thing I'd say about Swanson is that he's been pretty poor since January, bar that you know, wee spell. Then yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Yeah. Um, where maybe he was playing for a contract, um, a bigger contract at another club, and he's a Hibs fan. So maybe when he got the because he got the pre-contract early, I think um, when he got that, I think he his mind was elsewhere. Yeah, I, I don't know, just because obviously I think people may expect him to kick on, as you say. Um, he obviously maybe had the pre-contract on his mind, but you would have thought um, with a pre- full pre-season under his belt, he might be able to replicate, re- replicate the uh, former of uh, of last season or the early former last season at least, but. Um, Alas, I don't know if that's really been the case. Uh, we'll move on to the Friday night game, uh, which saw Hamilton, uh, they were beaten very comfortably, uh, 4-1 by uh, Celtic. Um, really good first half performance from Celtic. Um, it was, well, it was three and a half time. Um, is, I mean, I don't, I, don't, I don't even need to ask this question, I think it probably is their best uh, performance in the league <coughs> this season. Um the big kind of news, obviously, Roberts. Uh, Patrick Roberts made his return. He played about roughly sixty minutes. Uh, how do you guys kind of? How do you think he kind of fared in this in this game? You impressed? Yeah, I think Roberts was really impressive um, right from the start, and it, it just yeah, it's almost as if he he hasn't been away to sort of use that that cliche. Um, Celtic were very very comfortable. I think Hamilton's. Setup was kind of bizarre. Uh, they were all very, very open from the start. I think Canning said before the game that he was going to go for it, and that's kind of just not really what you should be doing when you're Hamilton. You're playing at Celtic, uh, probably. Um, yeah, I think you can say fair played for for giving it a go. You're probably going to lose anyway, but yeah, it really didn't work out at all for um, for Hamilton. That's exactly the sort of game. Celtic were really looking for before before Tuesday they had the tie wrapped up um, by half time and they could take it easy in the in the second half. I thought it was 
that's just following on from that. Just very, very strange because Hamilton at home, um, particularly against the bigger clubs, you would expect them to try and make it as difficult as possible. In that first half, Celtic just passed the ball around them and, and yeah. used their width, just used their width really, really well, got into plenty of space and Hamilton just couldn't deal with them. Um, and then obviously, I think Martin Cannon said, in hindsight, they probably should have gone how they went in the second half in the first. But, you know, whether the fact that Celtic only scored um, the one in the second half was down to um, the fact that Hamilton changed their shape a wee bit and made it a, a wee bit more tighter, or the fact that, you know, when you're 3 0 up in the second half, there's a big game, obviously, for Celtic during the week, and the players are maybe just uh, know that they've got the game won. Um, and are, are just coasting. I think it's maybe more to do with that rather than anything that Hamilton did. But it's just, as Johnny said, just a very strange way for Hamilton to, to have gone about it because I don't really know any teams in the league, bar maybe, well, well, at home you're, you're probably looking at Rangers, Aberdeen, and, and possibly Hibs um, that would really, really go for it against Celtic. Um, you know, you would just have expected Hamilton to make it as difficult as possible, and they just they, they really didn't. I think you need to go for it though against Celtic. Like I think the teams that have done well against Celtic are teams that have put pressure on Celtic. You know, look at St Johnston, uh, Parkhead, not giving Celtic a moment, a moment of space. We've seen before the teams that have managed to get something uh, against Celtic has been that pressure they've put on them. Um, whereas Hamilton, we they, they kind of made the point in sports scene they were very compact and the they were Celtic were just stringing passes uh, right through them and it was it was very easy for Celtic um, I, I, I think there's a way I think there's a middle ground there though I think um, if I think what, St Johnson obviously did look to to Harry Celtic and press them whereas Hamilton just stood off and I think that's that's where they got it wrong I think if you're to yeah. try and put Celtic under pressure by all means be, be tight and be difficult to, to break down but you need to put them under pressure as well and Celtic uh, Hamilton, sorry, basically just invited Celtic to, to come on to them, and that's just that's just never going to work. Um, and you can just see it in the first half. Celtic stretched the game, used their width, used their their wing backs and their the, the the two wide men further forward as well. And Hamilton just had no idea how to how to cope with it. And um, by the looks of it, it could have been a lot more than three, even by even by the half, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, well, certainly going by BT, the main kind of. Talking point from this game was, of course, the Scott Brown incident. Um, did seem to kind of kick out. Uh, I don't think there was any argument there, but um, as kind of talked about in sports scene, um, they don't. Well, well, at least Michael Stewart anyway didn't really seem to think that he will get. Um, he will get a ban uh, for that, given that it wasn't. Um, there's it's to do with the rule book, but um, unless there's excessive force, um, or if the contact's ne- negligible, then. Um, for whatever reason, that uh, that doesn't really... You don't really get retrospective bans because of that. Um, what did you guys kind of make of the incident? Did, was it just Scott Brown being a bit petulant? Was there any need in it? Or was it just... I, I mean, I'm kind of interested to hear what you guys kind of kind of think. I'll go to you, Tom, first. It's, it's really stupid, because if the ref yeah. did that, you could have sent him off for maybe not seeing it totally right. Um but I'd be surprised if there was anything done about it just purely because it was such a minimal minimal flick out and obviously didn't quite catch the player properly um, but it just it reeks of a, a, a really a hard one all uh, drawn one all with I don't 
put on someone away from home. Like John Ham- Robert Hamilton away from home maybe five years ago, Scott Brown kicking out in frustration. Um, not when you're clearly dominating a game. No, you're no, just it's just really stupid because the rest could easily send him off. I'd still be very surprised if there's any retrospective action. Johnny. Um. Yeah, I think Tom's pretty much covered it. It's a stupid thing to do, um, but I'd also be pretty surprised um, if there was any retrospective action as well. Um, yeah, sorry. I'd probably say, sorry, just to jump in, I'd probably say I'm in the same boat. I think it obviously was a stupid thing to do, and it's something that we've seen before, but yeah, I, I would imagine we would have heard something by now um, if there was something to be done about it. I don't think, I don't think there'll be anything done about it, to be honest. In terms of the defending from Celtic for Hamilton's goal, um, it wasn't great to put it to put it bluntly. Um, is that a worry going into Tuesday's game uh, against a very expensive what? front line, as has been uh, kind of discussed in every single media outlet um, in Scotland? I found it really bizarre how livid Craig Gordon was, considering obviously he's come it's out. A, it's his fault, yeah. Yeah, he's come out and then he's immediately turned round to. I think it was. Well, Tierney was the one the ball whose head goes over but he turns around to the guys to, to the players behind him and I think if the keeper's coming for that he needs to be confident that he's going to get it and it, it was just really really poor from Craig Gordon um, but obviously I think Tierney would have been the man marking him because he was his closest and for him to just let uh, it was Gogic wasn't it just peel yeah, off yeah it was and, and, and when they headed it, it was pretty poor all round but you're always going to get that like if if, if any team or if Celtic can see that a soft goal and then you've got potentially one of the best front lines in world football playing you in the next game and questions are always going to be asked um, it was a cheap goal to give away um, but I, I mean I don't know I think I, I think Celtic could have a better could have a, a better defensive line than the one they've got just now and I, I, you know you're still coming up against Neymar and Bappe Cavani and things like that so I think it's just it just seems like typical kind of Scottish media thing to talk about it. Or yeah. where they're playing a they're playing a really good team. Let's just talk about how they conceded a kind of poor sloppy goal and stuff like that. Um, it's just it's just a I just I, I just I wouldn't make too much of it because I think with the quality you're coming up against anyway, any defense is going to struggle. Do you know what I mean? How do we all see Celtic getting on against PSG? Do you think they will struggle? Do you think they'll maybe surprise a few people? Uh, I personally think PSG will win quite comfortably. Um, I can see Celtic scoring, definitely, but I think PSG, I think I actually said earlier, I think PSG will score at least three goals on Tuesday. I can see them, that that Celtic defence doesn't fill me with a lot of confidence at all. Uh, There's too many mistakes in it for me, and... There was a big chance missed. I think Celtic should have probably signed a, a centre-half in, in the summer window. It seems pretty obvious to me that the full-backs, when fit, are decent. Or, well, Kieran Tierney is more than decent. He's probably one of the best players in the league, if not if not the best just now. Um, Lustig is, is probably good enough. Um, maybe not to be playing twice a week. Uh, given his injury record, but the centre halves with the injuries they've got, I don't see why they've not. I know they, they they made a move for someone from South Africa, if I'm right in saying, um, that fell through. I, I I just think they've missed a chance there to to strengthen and 
yeah, I think they'll be in trouble up against, as we said, the, the 400 and whatever million pounds <laughs> strike force that PSG have, have, have got. I'm hoping we see something similar to the Man City game last season. I think for both teams, I think probably their best bet of winning the game would just be going for it because uh, both teams do concede fairly cheap goals against poorer sides in the league. Um, so from that side, they're fairly similar. But um, I, I do think both both sides would be, uh, be in their best interest just to go for it. I really hope they do because I want to see quite a good game. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I actually agree with that. The PSG have conceded a lot of goals to uh, smaller teams in the French league so far. I mean, they've still won every game, but that's probably that's why I've said earlier I think Celtic will score. But I can see it finishing something like three-one or four-one to to PSG. Yeah, I think it could be a hard-fought defeat for Celtic. I think they might. Hold PSG to, to maybe one 0 or something for for a decent part of the game. They they could potentially score, but I'd probably agree with Johnny. I think if I think if I think if PSG get two goals in kind of quick quick succession, then I think it could be quite a long night for Celtic. But if Celtic, for example, were to to hold Celtic at, at one 0 uh, if Celtic were to hold PSG to maybe to only one goal or it was 0 0 for a decent amount of time, um, then then you never know. But I just think. Celtic will go down maybe maybe not four one but maybe two two one three one something like that because you very rarely see I think I, the only team I can really remember and I might even be wrong in this going to Parkhead in the in the Champions League and really just strolling it completely um, was was Juventus a couple of years ago there might have been games after that I'm not sure not being a Celtic fan and all that but they they, they do seem to make a a really good habit of making it difficult for these bigger teams at Parkhead. So I think um, I think PSG will win, and in the end, it might be quite a comfortable win. But I don't think that, I don't think they'll run, they'll run riot um, unless obviously they just come out and absolutely blitz Celtic, which they've got the players to do. But with with the kind of history dictates us, if you will, that, that these big teams don't go to Parkhead often and find it incredibly easy. Yep. Uh, we will move on from Celtic and Champions League matters to Motherwell and Kilmarnock. Um, Motherwell, of course, uh, the victors in this game, 2 0 was the score. Um, did take Motherwell a wee while. Uh, it was 65th minute that uh, Bowman got his goal, and Moe obviously um, finished the game off with a, with a white penalty. Uh, Motherwell probably uh, rightly, rightly victors in this, and that, I I. I don't really know where to start with him. Um, is McCulloch, is he, is he a wee bit out of his depth now? What's happened to, to Kamarok? I'll go to, well, whoever, whoever wants to uh, answer that question. I just feel like it's pointless having this conversation because it happens every year. Kamarok is a shite for however long. They then sack their manager, replace somebody that has an instant impact and they'll stay up either in 10th place or in the playoffs. Like... Looking at that, looking at it just now, it's like um, they were they looked awful yesterday defensively. They were just shambles, to be honest with you. But I, it's always that thing of they're too good to go down, and I don't. I, they go, they have got players there, but I just feel like we have this conversation every single year about Kilmarnock, um, and I'm still pretty confident because I don't think McCulloch will be there for much longer anyway. That they'll bring someone in that will get more out of the players in that squad. Um, 
but obviously if you're a Kilmarnock fan then, then it is worrying um, but I, I, I don't think McCulloch will be there much longer to be honest with you Tom would you go along with that if, is, is this finally the season that Kelly go down after all those years yeah because it looks like there's, there's not really at this stage there's going to be a team that are necessarily going to do what we did or <laughs> other teams have done in the past and totally follow well, Dundee now. as well Dundee look particularly yeah. as well to be honest you just look at their team there's a bit more quality than what we and Inverness had um, regardless if they're doing it or not just now there still looks like there's players in there that can maybe do it um, there's two warning signs for me for Kilmarnock this summer was when they knew they weren't going to hire back and um, how they've not really replaced him in the centre half real sturdy good uh, player out, out the back and the sign of Cammy Bell and him not starting just, just an odd one for me I mean I, I don't think Cammy Bell is that great a keeper and I don't think he's that much better if, if at all than Jamie McDonald but why you have two experienced keepers both on probably higher wages at the club it doesn't make sense to me and that maybe just looking at it maybe there's a bigger problem that is McCulloch really does he know exactly what he wants he know exactly what he's doing if he's got two keepers like that in the squad you think maybe he'd be better he'd be wiser save McGrand on wages in the kind of bell and bringing in a proper centre half or a proper whole midfielder which is what they've missed so far um, and putting a youth keeper on the bench surely that'd be more make a lot more sense maybe just me looking from the outside in that's what I would do but I think it has shown McCulloch hasn't shown up for being a bit naive so far I hope he's not because it'd be nice to see a younger manager successful and not bringing in Pat Line in two months time to save him or someone of that ilk I just I think the worrying aspect for me if I was a Kelly fan would be I mean I didn't think Mullow were great in the first half I thought they were there to be got at and Kelly just did not take advantage of that at all obviously Brophy had a uh, really good chance very early on um, hit it straight the keeper um, I don't know I just I, the warning signs are there for Kamarnock at the moment um, it isn't good in terms of Motherwell um, John S is another um, game where the second half performances uh, has really helped them get over the line here yeah I think Motherwell it was really difficult to predict at the start of the season with the, the new manager and whether Louis Malt was gonna gonna stay or was he gonna go. Um, I think it's so important that he, that he has stayed and yeah, a lot of Motherwell's uh, a lot of talk about Motherwell does revolve around Malt, but there's a, a good reason for that. He's clearly their standout player. He's clearly what cuts them apart from uh, the, the, the four teams at the bottom of the table for me. Um, he's what he's separate. formed a good partnership with Ryan Bowman. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah, he's yeah. formed a decent partnership with Bowman. Yeah. And obviously, Bowman, I think, got his fourth goal of the season yesterday as well, which yeah. is obviously important that you're not just relying on one player. As good as Moult has been for Muddle, obviously. Yeah, I think that's the key as well for for both for Moult anyway, is that he's got somebody alongside him uh, to play with because he does seem to play better. He saw it last year with Scott McDonald alongside him. I don't think he plays well himself. I think he plays better with someone beside him. But um, I when you go, Johnny. Yeah, I mean, goal scorers in in, in the top flight in Scotland are hard to come hard to come by. Sometimes um, Ross County have had one in the past. They they don't seem to have. I think Shalkin and um, sorry, forgot his name. Mackay um, are going to be fifteen goal season strikers. I think you can say the same for for Doolin at Park. He's 
he's not going to reach that, the same sort of levels as, as Malton and Bowman will between them for, for sure that's what separates them for me um, but also Motherwell seem to be very very tenacious and um, yeah they seem to have a lot of fight in them which can't be said for, for all the teams in the at the bottom end of that table I, I do think they'll be they'll be okay this season Motherwell So where do we kind of see Motherwell ended up this season I know Robinson's talked about um, <coughs> kind of making Fur Park a bit of a fortress this season he wants to um, I think he even said something about they've been the kind of nice club for so for so many years they wanted them to be uh, people teams to kind of fear coming to Fur Park um, do we see that happening do we see Motherwell kind of do quite well this season or do you think it will just be an our season where they might struggle at the bottom end and on the wrong end of the table I think personally that they'll be fine um, I could see them finishing in the top half for sure I think they're more than capable of doing that um, and Fur Park has all the capabilities of, of becoming a, a fortress um, maybe fortress isn't quite the right word to use but certainly if they can win home games against Kilmarnock, Ross County, Hamilton, uh, Park Thistle, Dundee. If they can win home games against those sort of teams, then I think they're capable of uh, certainly not having any problems with the relegation zone. I think they're in the same bracket for me as maybe not quite, like you say, not have as many star players as, as Hibs, but I don't see them as being that much worse than Hibs. I think sixth or seventh is a decent shout, and that kind of sixth, seventh or eighth, that kind of that kind of area. I think they'll be comfortable, as Jory said. Um, and obviously, if if they do start beating the teams regularly that Jory talks about, that then gives them confidence to, particularly when you've got obviously when you play Celtic at the minute, it's nobody can really beat them at the minute. But certainly the the kind of other teams, obviously Rangers, Aberdeen, and Johnson. If if Motherwell can beat the teams around them or that are in the same kind of the same kind of bracket quality wise and that'll just give them more confidence for playing the bigger teams um, and then when teams have got confidence particularly at home against the bigger teams um, then we do you do see that they start getting results so yeah I think I think Mother will be will be comfortable. I don't think they'll be I don't think they'll be pulling up any trees. I don't think they'll be anywhere near a European spot coming into the season but I think I think they'll be comfortable and I don't think there's any danger of them being dragged into a relegation battle possibly anyway. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Mother maybe being in the top six um, in terms of two teams that maybe you, know, you could argue would be at least aiming for top six this season. Ross County and Party Thistle, they drew one each uh Victoria Park. Uh, a late Schalke penalty for Ross County, probably on the balance of play, it was probably uh, probably only fair, to be honest. Uh, but it was a, an early goal for Party Thistle. You did think that they might be able to, to get the result in this one, Tom. Yeah, one thing I can't understand about Partick is why they play Salmon out wide. It's not as if they're like playing last season where they need players around the striker like Boyd. I think if they, they've got enough creativity in the team and ability, they don't need Salmon to sort of do both. I think if they play Story out there, I think they're a lot would be a lot stronger. I think that'd be one thing I'd change. But um, no, you sort of see this every season, don't you? Partick starting slowly, but um, just wonder if this is maybe their. Well, people's tip for St Johnson this season maybe this, this is their their breaking point can't just yes, start the season no, it's 11 games now without a win for Party Thistle mm. 
Is that in the league, league I guess? That's in the league, yeah. Because obviously they were in the top six last year and they didn't really make much of an impact. I think um, that's a bit, a bit of a, a case of a start yeah. not really telling the story. Cause I can I mean, agree with you there. In those 11 games, they will have played Celtic at Aberdeen twice. Um, if they played the top five last season, they'll also have played Rangers once, St Johnston twice. You'll get Rangers, but Rangers in the next two games, one in the, yeah. uh, one in the cup, cup and uh, one in the league. So it has been, we've talked about it last year, it has been a really tough start for Thistle. Um, it's just whether they can turn that around. Um, yeah, I think but yeah, as you say, it's, it's, not, it's been a very tough run of games, even if you uh, include the... Uh, games they had in the top six last year in terms of this whole 11 because I mean we talked about the sports scene that's why I brought it up in terms of this whole this is their 11 games without a win so yeah I think the, the quality's definitely you've seen it when they won away at St Johnson in the, in the cup and I think when they do get a more generous run of fixtures I know they've got somehow somehow they've got Rangers next even though they've already played it seems like they've played every good team on the planet in the last five weeks St Johnson away Hibs away Celtic at home, Aberdeen at home. Um, yeah, there just doesn't seem to be any sort of Dundee, Kelly, um, Hamilton at home sort of fixture for, for Hamilton. It doesn't seem like they've had one of them since March or something like that. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to turn it around. I think there's a good team in there. Um, and when the fixtures are maybe a bit kinder, um, then the, the results will start coming, I think. In terms of Ross County, um, they're sitting ninth at the moment of four points. Have they maybe surprised some of you guys? Because for me, they've surprised me a wee bit. I, I expect them to really struggle this year uh, without Boyce, but they seem to be coping quite well. I think personally, Ross County. Are, uh, I I think I was one of definitely in the in the predictions league before. I had Ross County in the top half, which maybe looking back is a little bit ambitious. Yeah. Um, I think everybody else thought they would really, really struggle. Most people had them bottom two. But I still see the core of a good squad in there. Yes, they've, lo- they've lost Liam Boyce um, to Burton Albion, who's actually out injured for the entire season down there. Um, but I don't I don't see them, as I said earlier, they're, they're maybe lacking a goal scorer, but I do think that they've still got, yeah, like, like I say, they've got a good core and they've made some good signings. Um in the summer signings that I think will be good enough to keep them up and they're a very, very well managed team with um, an owner that's going to back them. So I, I do think that Ross County, um, I think they'll be fine this season as well. Any final thoughts before we move on to the the final game of the, of the Premiership? No. No. Oh, nothing in particular. <laughs> okay, we will move on to uh, the the heart of Midlothian who drew nil nil. I don't know why I'm saying that. To be honest with you, it's good to get to that time of night. Um, they drew nil nil in a really kind of highly anticipated game at uh, Murrayfield. Uh, big away support for Aberdeen. We all know uh, seven thousand. I think that's been all the kind of talk about this game. Mentioned. I don't know if Aberdeen yeah, th- mentioned yeah, that. They've mentioned <laughs> it a few times. I think just a few times. Um, Johnny, you were here at the game. Uh, you wished you were. Explain. <laughs> I, I wouldn't go that far. It was nice to tick the a new stadium off the list, but that's about as nice as I can be because the game was pretty depressing. Uh, first half was 
was okay. I would say it's probably as, as nice as as I would be about it. Aberdeen for the first half an hour were by far the better team, and then they just seemed to sort of stop. And I mean, I don't know what happened. They highlighted the the poor left back, the left back problem on, or the lack of, or playing three at the back problem, um, problem on, uh, sports scene, but. Aberdeen had their chances in that first half an hour and could have been ahead and then after that they just really they, they were nowhere, nowhere to be seen especially in the second half Hearts it was all Hearts and that 7,000 strong Aberdeen crowd was, was not the noisiest Aberdeen crowd in fact probably the quietest Aberdeen crowd that I've sat in um, I think they were really silenced second half by, by Hearts who played really well and without a doubt well, I wouldn't say a draw is a totally unfair result, but if either team was going to win it, it was going to be Hearts and Joe Lewis. For me, was absolutely excellent man of the match in a, in a game where every player was six, five, six, seven rating. He was a ten. He was absolutely outstanding and three, three remarkable saves that most keepers wouldn't be getting to um, in in that league. Um, we've already had this discussion, but I do think that he's probably. Um, the the outstanding goalkeeper, the best goalkeeper in in the Scottish Premiership, and he he saved Aberdeen, at what could turn out to be a valuable point. I mean that's for me that shows where Aberdeen are. Um, they were disappointed with a point away at Hearts, um, and that and that's something that they can almost be proud of that the fact that they're disappointed with that, um, with a point at one of the most difficult places you can you can go in Scotland. Yeah, I think having just looked at the highlights, um, I think Aberdeen could have felt very lucky for not um, not losing this game. Uh, and in some ways, I think it's a bit of a miracle to be honest with you. I thought what they were really, really um, defensively anyway, they were just all over the place. I don't know if it's it's not even as if Aberdeen traditionally or, or just a general have a bad defence. I just think it was the way they were set up. Uh, obviously it has been pointed out they had three at the back but that didn't work um, I think maybe there should be a wider discussion on the fact that Denny McInnes um, does like to tinker with the team especially early on uh, or right at the start of the season um, I, I honestly think it has a detrimental effect um, I don't know what you guys would you go along with that? Or? I just can't understand why you play Shea Logan in that back three because it's not like yeah. um, Kieran Tune at Celtic where it sort of needs must at times at the moment and he's very capable of playing it. It just nullifies a real threat there. It's Logan not only getting crosses in from the right, but sneaking in at the back post. He's seen it already this season. Um, and just nicking in with a wee touch or a header at the back post to Ooh. give you a goal. I think put, playing him in a more restricted role um, just takes away one of the biggest threats. I think obviously Carney Anderson didn't start either, um, which I found very strange. He's not injured. Um, and that might be people's first thoughts when he's not in the team, but he isn't actually played for Iceland um, during the international break, so I don't, I don't see why he's. The, obviously, McInnes must be seeing something that we're not because he's he's not starting for Aberdeen. I don't understand why, especially as Tom says that um, they're playing with a back three. But um, yeah, I can have Joe to thank for um, for keeping them out. Hearts, um, obviously. Craig O'Vine uh, back in the dugout after after many many long years or many short weeks of depending on your viewpoint of what's happened in the Hearts recently. Uh, I suppose it was a, a 
from a heart's point of view, a decent performance and something to kind of build on. But you've got to be like kicking yourselves that you've not got the result here because I think Aberdeen were there for the taking. I think it's one of those ones though where obviously it's Craig Levine's um, first game back as manager um, and you have to look at it and say Hearts looked a, a hell of a lot better than they ever did under under Cathro and, and, and they have improved they have they, they looked a little bit better under Daly but they've looked a lot more like a team that were actually utilising or they were playing to their strength so you know using trying to use the best out of like Jamie Walker and players like that and, and Goncalves as well and I think what you if if you were a Hearts fan I think you have to look at it and go it's the first game <clears throat> with Levine back in charge we looked better we were creating more opportunities um, we put a really good team in Aberdeen under pressure and if the keeper doesn't have you know a, a one hell of a performance Hearts have got three points so I think it's something to build on plus the fact you know whether whether people believe it or not, you know, I, th- I do think a new environment like Murrayfield um, for for Hearts it, it will be a bit strange, and obviously they've not they've been away their first four games as well, um, so I think just the the combination of the two, I think it, it's a decent start to the to the to the second Levine era, if you will, um, and I think Hearts just need to look and try and build on that because I, going by the highlights, obviously Johnny will know more because he was actually there, but I thought Hearts looked a a much much better team than they have done for for months to be honest mm. yep we will with that we will move on and we will talk about the championship of which there was many many shock results this weekend uh, don't worry Tom we'll, we'll come to you soon yeah, uh, but <laughs> we will start uh, Brecon City 1 Falkirk 1 Johnny what has gone on I, I'm actually pretty bemused by what's going on um, at Falkirk. Obviously, they went to Ireland and got what looked like a, a very good result on paper um, against Sligo, and then they come back and the massive, massive favourites to go to the hedge and win, and they go there and I, I know it should be a pretty simple, or not a simple, but they should really be looking to get three points there when they're you got to remember this is a Falkirk team that are talking about winning the title um, at the start of yeah. the season and they've got three points um, from from six games. It's really, really poor and I think they've got Dundee United next so it's not going to get any easier. You know, that's... It's, well, it might get a little bit easier. We'll, we'll, we'll come to Tom in a minute but it really is a, a, poor, a poor, poor start to have three points from six games and I think Houston's going to come under a bit of pressure. There's a manager that was getting tipped for the Hearts job last month, so it's really is, it's it's really quite a bizarre scenario, um, and it's got to change soon if they if they're going to hope to to make the playoffs. And wh- when they do make the playoffs, if they do, then we know anything can happen with Falkirk. They're more than capable of beating any team on their day in the playoffs. Just what what you said there about um, this Falkirk team are expected to challenge for the title. This was the weekend that you had to win. It just, it just was. You have to be breaking away from home, and you have to do, it, especially when potential title rivals on United they draw one each. Um, in terms of Queen of South also draw drew two each. Tom Fairman of course lost. Uh, I know St Mirren won, but like this was the week to kind of capitalise and make a bit of ground up, and they failed to do that. And for for me, I don't know about you guys, but I, I think I think they're done. I I can't see them 
coming back from this. I know it's early, um, but I mean, this has just been an absolutely horrendous start to the season for Falkirk. The, the thing- I think. Um, sorry, Tom. I, I think. Obviously, they've got Dundee United next week. I think if I will agree with you, if you don't win that game, I think that's possibly a game where if, if at all, maybe it is too late. Anyway, they can lift themselves for it and they can win. And I think it has to be a win. Um, then I think that might be the platform whereby they can then finally kick on this season. But um, I think I I wait until next week. But I it just I don't know whether it's maybe just a case of because. You obviously have to remember the, the the kind of core of the squad, and obviously Peter Houston as a manager has been there for a, a good few a, a good few seasons now. So maybe it's just a case of, you know, you can only get so close so many times before there is an actual detrimental effect. And maybe it's just a case, and whether it's consciously or subconsciously or not, Falkirk or just, like the whole maybe the management team and the players are just like, oh, we're here again in the same division, trying to get to the same place that we've almost got to. You know, twice before, um, and maybe they're just the it's just a, a sheer lack of momentum and 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 you know just maybe the realization that there's yet again another team in Dundee United that you know whether Tom will agree with us or not are the are obviously favourites and are, are are you know looking like they might win the league. Um, there's a there's another team that's that's better than us in this league. Um, and and maybe that it's just maybe it's just a case of it's just one too many times they've been knocked back. Um, so close to achieving what they want to do, which is which is promotion last season, and maybe it's just having a, a, an effect going into this season. It certainly looks like that, anyway. I don't know, but I think like we talk about Dundee United maybe being favourites for the league. I'd I'd put Falkirk up there right before right at the start of the season. I'm going to put Falkirk up there, and I think that might be, or just to kind of expand on your point, that might be part of the problem. Whereas in other seasons they've been the underdogs. Not all people have fancied them this season. People are fancying them. This has been this. This is their season. They have to do it this year, and it's just been an absolutely woeful start for Falkirk. I mean, they're sitting joint bottom of the table uh, with Breakin. They're they're an absolute free fall at the moment. <coughs> Tom, give me, give me a, I think I've interrupted you, and so was Fisher as well. <laughs> I was just going to say. I think the one thing that stands them and us and good said is that there isn't there hasn't been a team yet that's just gone and won every game. That's Set a real put their foot down, obviously, and look like they're in the uh, driving seat at the moment. But there's not really been a team so far that said, "Right, this is it. We're going to win all our games. You've got to, you've got to beat us to win the league." I think that's what they'd be holding on to at the moment. Fucker, I think if you can put, obviously it's really early in the season, but I think it's not really. There's not. Like a, there's obviously not a Celtic, so I think you can um, hold on to the fact that if you can put a, a run of maybe six, seven, eight games, which looking at Fokker's squad, they're more than capable of doing. Um, if you can put that run of games together, you'll be right up there, if not on top of the league, depending on. Because so, Mirren, despite having done quite a lot recently, I, I think they're beatable. I don't think they're. They're obviously not quite as good. I don't think they're as good as they last season, and we surely should be doing better than they are at the moment. But I, th- I think what Falkirk can hold on to is that there hasn't quite been a team that really racing away with it yet. Well, we just moved to. Give me a talk about United. We'll just move to them and. Talk about the Dumbarton game. Um, were you there, Tom? No, I wasn't. Thankfully, no. um, I was going to go on there. That was part of it. The, the recent results and getting there from here was a wasn't really worth. Because I, I didn't expect us to draw. I did expect to win, but um, I didn't expect to be anything exciting, and it wasn't. I um, think. I think. Right. I think. Regardless, you made the right decision. To be fair, 
I should be there on Saturday at Falkirk, but because um, that's two I've missed now. But just it's just it's the same. It's just slow, disjointed football from players that should be in the division above and should be shown that they are capable of playing the division above that aren't. Um, too many passengers. Why we're starting? To all due respect, why we're starting with one? It, it goes for any team in that league. Why we're starting with one striker up front in the championship? Just, I just can't get my head around it. And fair enough if we're going to do that. If we're going to start with one up front, two wingers, there we go. But no, we're playing Scott Fraser and White, who has his moments. Can look like quite a good footballer, but if you're going to go one up, up top, we want King McMahon at White and even Fraser in behind. Just something to get the fans going, but it's just it's worryingly similar to last season and I think um, McKinnon's going to come under fire quite a lot this week. I think if we get beat by Falkirk, I think the loser of that game on Saturday, I think, could see possibly one of the last games in charge between McKinnon and Houston. It's <laughs> a good shout, actually. I'd probably like, ooh, mm. I think it's more likely McKinnon will go though if it doesn't go Dundee United's way. I think Houston will still be there for a while. I think it might be if Houston's going to go, he's going to go of his own volition. To be honest, I don't think I think he would go before he was sacked. I I think it's, it's hard because I I do really like Ray McKinnon and his team. Really nice guys above all else, and um, but this is now this is his team. They've got his players. They've got rid of the players that they, that shouldn't be there from. Uh, Matt Amara's era, there's only one left, and Mark Dernan, who I think he rates quite highly. Um, and he's got all of his players, and he's got rid of the, the duds from last season. Um, I was saying that he's not, some of the players he's brought in this season don't look too much better. Um, well, I really want him to work out, and he had his two year plan, so he said, give him two years, right, we'll give him two years, but it just doesn't look like much has changed, despite dressing the, pl- the problems that we had, brought a left back in. Strengthened the centre half. We've got a Nicole Donaldson, and um, we've brought in players that, on paper, should be really exciting. Like McMullen, who has been at the start of the season, he was really good. King, who's just not really shown up apart from against Town Beast, which, to be honest with you, the players of his ability and his weight should be doing. And um, he's obviously brought in strikers that have scored goals in the past, like Keatings and McDonalds. But um, I think that's all. We've only scored five goals this season, which just simply isn't good enough for any team in the division should be scoring more goals than that let alone a team that should be um, top of the league hmm. I mean yeah uh, one team that were top of the league uh, going into going into Saturday the firm one uh, but they lost that position uh, they were 2-0 up at half time uh, to Morton very comfortable uh, exceeded a, a kind of early second half goal and he just totally crumbled Um did anyone really? Did anyone see this one coming? I don't know if anyone actually predicted this in the predictors. Yeah, I was. I was the only one that predicted a Morton win. But to be honest, I'd, I wouldn't have expected it. Obviously, I wouldn't have expected it at half time. Um, I don't actually know why I've gone for a Morton win there. I wish I could say I was really confident, but to be honest, I've just probably written it down. It's just gone through it and quickly written it down. I didn't realise Confirmum were actually heavily favourites. Uh, heavy favourites for this for this tie. Um, I say every, everyone's kind of predicted Morton to have this this difficult season. After obviously they've been so good um, last season, especially they were they were <coughs> apologists and they were so good last season. But it hasn't really been that that way. They've been 
getting along quite fine. Maybe not quite as good as last season, but they've been doing, um, they've been going just fine. Dunfermline, yeah, maybe it's more of a surprise the fact that they've lost this rather than Morton have won it, so to speak, because Dunfermline have been excellent so far this season. So, yeah, maybe the surprise is is rather with Dunfermline's inability to hold a two 0 lead rather than than Morton's ability to come back. If you if you get what I mean there. Yep, uh, the team that have replaced them at the top of the table, St Mirren, they won 4-2 against Inverness. Um, was uh, at one point, I think it was it was two each at one point, uh, Inverness did come back, but St Mirren um, were the better side on the on the day. I think they uh, eventually came back and they got the, the well-deserved three points. Um, and I kind of similar vein to what I talked about um, Ross County earlier on. Have people been... A wee bit surprised with St Mirren this season. They they do seem to be the kind of surprise package. I suppose the film would have been last week if we're talking about that. But uh, St Mirren uh, certainly seem to be uh, doing quite well at the moment. Does it not kind of remind you of obviously Jack Ross being in charge um, of how when he was in charge at Alloa? Yeah, I was about to say that. That's totally what it does. Yeah, they've just kind of they've obviously kicked on massively from where they were when he came in. and I'm actually quite annoyed because it's the first season um, that we've done the burst ball predictors <laughs> where I haven't put St Martin, I think, in a promotion spot and they're just, they're now top of the table. So, yeah. um, But I think I, they have a good team. They, they've always had a better team than the position they were in. Um, and I think they've just got a manager now that knows how to get the best out of them. As I say, well, it started to kind of fizzle out and then a little bit before Jack Ross left. Um, but I think... I mean, what obviously was we were talking about, Dirty United kind of stuttering, Falkirk stuttering. Um, Morton, you know, on, only just beating Dunfermline yesterday as well. You know, if they can keep this momentum up, I think the champion, the championship um, is a league where if you've got momentum and you keep getting, obviously, the momentum, positive momentum, um, then I think it's a league that can be it obviously has its difficult places but if you've got confidence then I think you can navigate it quite well and I, th- I think St Martin have got better players than, than a good number of the teams uh, in the division um, and I think if they can keep this up then certainly playoffs uh, is, is a real, real possibility Yep, the final game in the division, uh, Livingston drew two each with Queen of the South um, I think both these teams to be honest with you I think They'll be they'll they'll be mid table. I think it's fair to say. Um, they might give um, they might be in danger at some points, and they might be pushing for playoffs at other points. But um, I don't see a lot between these sides. Uh, I don't see them being bad enough to get relegated or good enough to get promotion. Uh, I assume you guys would probably agree with that. Just quickly. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, go on. With I think Livingston. That's that's more than good enough for them. Coming up, yeah. I think nobody really expected them. It, well, everybody, nobody really expected them to be in a relegation um, battle. So it's a credit to them uh, how well they've they've done since coming up. Yep, uh, League One. We will move to now uh, the big game. The big game in League One. Rafe Rovers uh, beat Air United two one. Uh, and the kind of top of the table clash. Of course, Air got off to a really, really good start in the division. Uh, but they've fallen away recently. Of course, they uh, lost them in Troes in the Cup. They lost to Arbroath the week before. 
Uh, and now the Foster Wraith Rovers. Are the wheels starting to come off the bus, Johnny? Um, maybe a little bit in the last couple of weeks, but I still think Air are, are going to be up there and it's going to be a battle between Wraith and Air um, in a totally con- contrasting uh, contrasting circumstances to Inverness's relegation where I think most people were thinking, yeah, I can't see them coming straight back up. It's kind of the, the total opposite in League One where I think Wraith and Air were immediately made sort of favourites for promotion, especially Wraith, obviously, because they were never expected to go down, but they're immediately favourites for promotion. Um, and I would kind of go along with that as well, I think, that they're the two best teams in the league. Um, they've got two good squads uh, as well, I think the two strongest uh, squads in that league. And I think Albion Rovers are in third place just now, and that I don't think that them or Airdrie or you know any, any of the other teams in the league, Stranraer, etc., are capable of of keeping up with um, with uh, Wraith and Air at the top of the league. Yeah, uh, I think that's a, a fair point. Uh, other results in the division: Stranraer they beat Airdrie three one. I think it was uh, described by Stevie Farrow as uh, the best performance uh, he's seen under under his side, uh, which says quite a lot. I know Airdrie obviously they have their off-field issues this season, but on the field they've actually been uh, fairly decent. So that's a that's a real good result for Sunra. Um Elsewhere, Awa they beat four for two one. Our broth they get absolutely scalped by Albion Rovers four one at Gayfield. Uh, and East Fife are beaten by Queen's Park 1-0. Uh, anything to add there before we move to week one, guys? Anything to stand out? Um, I'm very surprised by Albion, but that is... Yeah. I, th- I think our both are one of the teams. I also thought East Fife would win, but that's just me being terrible at guessing football games. But our both, I thought, really... Um, they would they would win that game. I think Albion have overachieved a bit this season, and there's not even a case of our growth underachieving because I think they've been considering their newly promoted team they've been more than stable with their start this season. But Albion have been maybe a bit better than anyone expected them to be up in third place. Yep, uh, week two um, the match we're going to focus on here. We'll focus on the Star and Albion who could beat three two. Uh, by Clyde um, at Fourth Bank. It's a game that uh, our very own Hamish Carton was at. Um, just kind of describing the game, they thought Clyde was really impressive. Uh, he felt that Goodwill was too good for League Two. Uh, and uh, this was a good, interesting point he made. He said that uh, when he stops trying too hard, he'll score every week, um, which I kind of get, kinda get what he's, where he's coming from there in terms of Goodwill. He does seem to try really hard and... He, at that, that level anyway I think he's good enough um, just on his own ability um, uh, to make a real impact uh, for Clyde and he definitely done that uh, yesterday um, he also uh, picked out Darren Ramsey for Clyde um, and he said uh, I think they have to be considered title contenders uh, if they just tighten up at the back uh, and in terms of Stalin just a, just an off day uh, and a really really good game Uh in the League 2 again uh, Hamish seems to always get really good games in the League 2 actually uh, so lucky him uh, maybe you, you need to go and uh, watch some League 2 Johnny to get your football fix again to 
not be depressed about football. Yeah, in case anyone's missed this, I've just been to three horrific football matches in the last week and I'm a bit sad about it. Starting to wonder where good football's going to come from, so that's why I'm going to Dens Park on Saturday. Um, <laughs> nah, but uh, yeah, I, I think the enthusiasm just dripping out of your voice. <laughs> now, nah, League Two always it always does excite. That's that's a good thing about the the lower leagues in Scottish football. It's they're really unpredictable. There are always goals. Uh, there's always yeah. There's there's quite often action off the ball, which sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's safe to say one of the best things about um, Laurel League Scottish football. Um, I've been to Steny a few times last season, it never disappointed. Um, but yeah, Sterling have been going very, very well. Clyde are one of the funnest teams in League Two, mostly <laughs> because of Barry Ferguson last season, was very entertaining. Um, just but listen. Just seeing how he fares in his, um, I don't even know what to call it, rampage through Clyde. I don't know what it was. It wasn't wasn't nice to watch. Um, but yeah, there's there's always a lot of nice things in League Two. It's very very unpredictable, and uh, Sterling seemed to be the standout team this season. Um, but that can easily easily change. I mean, if you look at Elgin in the last few years, they're always there or thereabouts, and they always fall off. Maybe it'll be. I think. I think they're actually 18 games undefeated uh, without a win at some point. Yeah, well, they, well, they certainly didn't win at a weekend. They could beat by Aaron uh, one nil yeah. at home. The famous uh, Borough Briggs, that really uh, <laughs> tough place to go, as people kind of say it's not really that tough when a team like Aaron are travelling that far and getting a result, uh, yeah. you have to say. Um, elsewhere, Edinburgh City, they beat Berwick 1-0. It was a really, really early goal, actually. Um, I think that was the earliest in Scotland. Uh, it was about two minutes or something uh, for Edinburgh. Elsewhere, Peterhead 1-1 with Montrose. Obviously, a lot of folk kind of fancying Peterhead to do quite well this season. Uh, and Stennis Muir, they beat Cowdenbeath. They, they, they beat them 1-0. They got an early goal that as well when they uh, had enough to hold on. Um, so, yeah, we didn't ask for questions again uh, this week, so we do apologise for that. Um Hmm. Anything else you guys want to add before we kind of wrap this up? No, I think that's all right. Just other than League Two being greatest league, <laughs> greatest league in Scotland yet again. I, th- I think um, just when you read through the teams, I remembered Peter Heather and are actually in League Two this season, which is quite remarkable. <laughs> and they should really be title favourites, but for some reason they're sitting, I think, fourth or fifth. Montrose have had a great start as well and so vital Tipped for the pods team Edinburgh to win because it's the first point in the season I think first points <laughs> Tips Peter had to win the league last season in league one and they get relegated so that's another good one for me <laughs> <laughs> weren't the only Although one I made some, a, de- a decent start in predictions though by the looks of it somehow because most of them are just random guesses <clears throat> on, and then in, in the case of just, just pure blind optimism I think so. I've, I'll try and be bringing the the listeners something more to do with these predictions I, I'm in charge this so season so they're just talking about them every yeah, week yeah I think <laughs> yeah they've been more in house this year yeah so I'm going to try and bring the problem with the predictions is for the listeners that we're never we always predict them just before the games um, yeah. but this time I'm going to try and get them the predictions sorted on Friday and get a graphic and post them so you can all laugh at us when we horrifically <laughs> predict every football game in, in, in Scotland pretty much um, yeah because I don't think 
Unfortunately, at the moment, it's only us that are laughing at each other, and we want, uh, other, of course, the listeners to laugh at uh, other people's misfortunes. Like, for example, Craig Gamble. Um, I don't know how many points he's given himself this season, but he certainly gave. I think he predicted Hamilton to win 1-0. He certainly um, did, yes. So that's, that sticks out for well, me. just to give the, the listeners a, an insight into how well oiled the machine first ball is, uh, the predictions were only done about 45 minutes prior to Hamilton uh, <laughs> kicking off, um, and it only happened because Johnny was sitting playing FIFA, I was sitting on the couch behind him in their lovely new flat, and I just happened to go, uh, what's happening with the predictions this week, and Johnny just went, oh fuck, <laughs> and then hastily popped a message in the group chat, and I believe there was some controversy, but... Hamish Carton's picks yes. as well, but um, mm, indeed he was yeah, working. So, so I've let, I've let that's off how well it's run. Yep, a well-oiled machine, as they say. Uh, with that, we will we'll move on uh, and say goodbye. Uh, Tom, <laughs> good having you on. Yeah, thanks for me. Good pleasure as always. Yep, uh, Fisher, good to be back. Good to be back. Hopefully, to be now that I'm back in the in the first team, make more consistent appearances of. I've done a Jordan Rossiter. I was always close to coming back and I never quite made it, but hopefully now I'll, I'll be, you'll, you'll hear me a lot more often. Whether or not that's a good thing or not, I don't know, but hopefully I'll be featuring a lot more. And it's good to be back. Johnny Clark. Yep, delighted to get my first appearance with Tom on the podcast, uh, the dynamic duo, the first appearance of many. Yep, uh, that's all we've got time for. Thank you for listening. Remember, you can... Uh, find us on Twitter you can find us on Facebook uh, you used to be able to find us on Snapchat but that's not a thing anymore um, so yeah, yeah I think just, we ruined it because it was just Snapchats and nights out yeah I think we'll just yeah just, so just uh, find us on Twitter and Facebook uh, your main kind of uh, your main kind of social media port, port of calls uh, SoundCloud as well obviously uh, and uh, we'll say goodbye and thank you for listening